welcome back to Generational Differences, episode 15. This is Hillary. And this Hannah is, oh, is here. My God. <laughs> it's all good. Do you want to say hi? Hi. <laughs> Hannah's here too. And today, this week, we have a very special guest. We've had some guests on before, but this guest is particularly special for me and for our family. Today, we have my husband. Diego on with us and last episode we talked about uh the married life so I feel like now you get to meet my husband so you know what better (laughs) follow-up welcome Diego hey (laughs) and I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce Diego but I don't have a formal bio because I feel like I know him well enough that I can try to wing it um, but Diego can correct me if I get any of this wrong. So you got it. And also, it's gonna be it's casual, yeah. So Diego Luis is my husband, and um, now I'm like, which bio should that's I it, give? Should I give it. his life bio, or should I give like our meeting story? <laughs> I'm like, we've known each other for 12 years. Um, Diego was born in. Wow, I'm starting from the beginning. You're taking it all the way back to the beginning. Okay. Diego is from Nashville, Tennessee. I'm not going to give his whole birth story or life story. Um, He grew up there and then he went to college, uh, same college that, uh, same university that Hana and I went to and that his brother went to. So, as everyone that listens to the podcast at this point knows, we are an Emory podcast (laughs) we love emory diego also went to emory we graduated the same year and then he uh taught in china for a not taught sorry he went to china for a year and worked um, for a company there before starting his phd at brown university Mm -hmm. in rhode island and he finished his phd in history in 2020 he actually defended his dissertation the day before like our entire country locked down for COVID. So he really snuck that in there, got his PhD that year. It was Friday the 13th. And it was Friday the 13th. <laughs> but it ended up being a good day. <laughs> yes, yeah, successful dissertation defense. And then after that, so the last two years, we've been in Davidson, North Carolina, and Diego's been a visiting assistant professor at Davidson College here. And so that's kind of like the overview of career and the next move. Um, we're going to Tufts University in Boston, where Diego's going to start a permanent tenure track professor job. So wow. that's like the big deal job yeah, Very for cool. professors. Yeah. For everyone who doesn't speak professor, Congrats. like I, I don't, yeah. Woo! All right. So that's Diego. Um, we've been married now for about six months, almost seven months, and we've known each other for 12 years. We met at Emory, um, and we're not going to talk about married life <laughs> this week. <laughs> this week, we're actually going to revisit a topic that Hannah and I talked about Um, way earlier in the podcast. So episode two for our OG listeners, we talked about Mm. work and passion and where each of our journeys to finding our careers and finding our interests um, has taken us. And so we want to revisit that with Diego because I thought, what better person to talk to about passion and work and the intersection of the two than someone who decided to get a PhD 
which can take so many years. You mm -hmm. choose a topic that you you have to be really, really passionate about and really interested in. And Diego is definitely one of the people in my life that is that I would say is the most passionate about the work that he does. And he just puts everything that he has into his research, into his teaching, into all of that. And so just really curious to talk a little bit about his journey to where he is and what work and passion mean to him. So thanks for being here, Diego. Yeah, happy to be here. All right, cool. Do you want to say anything before we get started for our audience to say hi? Um, hi. <laughs> <laughs> I know that uh, you've, all, you've all heard some things over the past episodes about me. So now this is, this is my chance to represent myself <laughs> to you all, too, and set the record straight yeah. in cases many uh, the yeah I yeah yeah so, <laughs> so i i'm mostly looking forward to that okay. <laughs> I, i'm just playing i'm just playing and 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 to just you know talk and hang out and all that so. yeah yeah all right cool well let's dive in why don't you just tell us about your decision to get a phd which is a huge question but how did you get there you know maybe what else did you explore before you decided to do that and how did you figure out that that's what you wanted to do? Yeah, that's a pretty big question. The short answer is it's never what I thought that some, it's not something I ever thought that I would do. When I was growing up and even going through college, I always imagined myself as a writer, someone who wrote poetry or short stories, which is maybe one of the only career choices that's even more fraught than getting a PhD, <laughs> <laughs> which is something that I discovered um, PhD in a humanities field, I, uh, humanities or social science field, I should clarify. But I quickly realized in college that writing is really, really, really difficult to get off the ground. Uh, so I ended up going to China to one, well, there's a lot of reasons why I went to China. I'm Chinese. Also, uh, my brother was in China and the summer before graduating, I had done an internship in a kind of company that I would uh, join after graduating too. And it was education consulting. So I got to use my writing skills there. And then also have the proper distance I think I needed to decide that I really did want to go back to school. I didn't want to sit in an office. I didn't want to, you know, just like live a normal life like doing a job and then you go home and then the job's over and then just like have this separation i wanted to do something i cared about more where you know i would i would something i would like continue thinking about and um that would keep me like stimulated and so yeah so that's why i i decided to go for a phd you know and and, and to pursue something like like history so i i got my one of my um, majors in college was in history and I've always been very passionate about history. When I was growing up, my brother always, uh, like, we would, like, dress up in, like, military uniforms and stuff. <laughs> and, 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 like, you know, watch, like, historical movies and, you know, read historical, like, memoirs and stuff. And I don't know. I just, like, really like that stuff. So that's not at all what I ended up studying. But it was, <laughs> it was the spark that got me going. Mm. Yeah, so college really got really kept the the spark lit i suppose and uh yeah so that's why i went for phd in history wait before you wanted to be a writer in college like when you were a kid did you also want to be a writer <laughs> or what did you want to be when you were young like growing up 
Yeah, I always imagined myself as a writer. Oh my I was always, re- I was <laughs> always reading books, yeah, like fiction and various things. I was always writing. I mean, nothing good, but <laughs> I was writing. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I always imagined myself that way, and I was, I was lucky in high school. There was a creative writing class taught by a very wonderful teacher named Alicia Handy. And, (laughs) and, uh, yeah, so, and then when I was in middle school, yeah, I'm trying to remember, yeah, middle school was my first creative writing class that, or creative writing component of an English class that I had. A sixth grade English teacher, um, Miss Weinblatt. Shout out. uh, Was a published poet, so she, you know, encouraged that. And then uh, Mrs. Barry in eighth grade. Oh my God, so many shout outs. <laughs> <laughs> if you know these people, let them know. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they know I appreciate them. Yeah. So, so I guess that's, that's when I started thinking about that. What an intellectual. Just yeah. like as a child, thinking about being a writer. That's so nice. That's so cool. Well, it helped that I should mention that my dad's also a professor. Right, 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 right. And the not wanting to go the PhD route initially was... In part because I didn't want to end up doing the same thing <laughs> yeah, as my dad. Of course not. And I didn't want to, like, live on the back of someone else's legacy, you know. I wanted to strike out and do something for myself. So that's why I avoided it for so long and then ended up coming back around. Well, okay, so a bunch of questions. But um, how do you feel about that now, I guess, since we just said that? Yeah, it's pretty cool. No, the, <laughs> the fact that you then did end up doing a similar thing to what your dad does. Obviously, it's not that you y'all do the uh, work in different fields and totally different, like, you know, whatever. I don't speak PhD. So, like, just different stuff. And, but yeah. how do you feel about that? Yeah, it's nice. It's different enough that there's, like, like, the people that I'm directly working with are not familiar with what he does mostly because i'm in the field of history and he's in the field of uh hispanic literature um so but there's still enough uh similarity that there are some interesting like connections and crossovers and i do meet people that know him from time to time and um and we've been going to conferences together now and we've gone to do archival research together. So it's been like a fun uh, way now to like find find excuses to see each other and travel together. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, when they get together sometimes like there has to be like an hour where they're just allowed to talk about all the academic stuff and the rest of us are just like nodding. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I guess, like, since we're talking about your parents, curious, um, like, what your parents' thoughts were as you explored your career options. Like, were they supportive of you wanting to be a writer? And then throughout your journey to where you are now, have they been supportive? Or has there any been any point where they, like, try to suggest things for you or, you know, whatever, provide advice? Because that's a big part of Hana and my yeah. <laughs> life career, as you know. So I'm just curious, like, what... Um, that looked like for you yeah so i've been really lucky it's my experience has not at all been like (laughs) your experience um and 
that's mostly because my parents like really trust my judgment and <laughs> my <laughs> and and my abilities too. Like they really believed more so than I did in my skill as a writer. Uh, and they know that I will make the best decisions for myself. So they mostly just trust like whatever I decide at this point that wow. I want to do. They know Is I have good like... reasons for it. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they know, like, I've really thought it through. Like, whatever mm. I decide is, is something that I spent a lot of time thinking about, and they understand that, and they respect that. And, yeah, so I'm pretty lucky in that regard. They're very understanding. Yeah, and I feel like from my impression is, like, that trust and that um, confidence in Diego extends to like other parts of his life too not just career like his decisions to you know go different places or um dating dating <laughs> do other things you know just like in the day to day it feels like there's a lot of trust there and i i think that's really nice to see <laughs> mm-hmm. and but given what diego just said i think maybe hana and i didn't demonstrate the uh, thinking through thoroughly part as much as Diego might have. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just guessing, <laughs> but that might have played a part into the, why our relationship mm-hmm. with our parents about career and stuff like that is a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, there's a component of that they should trust us more too. Yeah. So I also yeah. I wish I had like teachers too that or like more diverse subjects in school mm-hmm. when I was young. Because that probably would have helped, you know. Because Hillary and I were both yeah. like, yeah, let's go to the medical field. <laughs> like, <I> what? <laughs> what is I, that? I, yeah. It's just sometimes it felt like it was the only option. Like, because it was all these science classes and everything, and I didn't branch out. Yeah. Well, so then um, you were talking about how, like, growing up, you and your brother were interested in, like, history of war and like history generally um i mean you know it's something that i think a lot of like boys mm-hmm. drift towards mm-hmm. they're fascinated by violence mm-hmm. and we are no different <laughs> yeah and dressing up in military garb <laughs> yeah yeah and like wait you dress like dressing up in military garb like at home or like for... yeah yeah oh <laughs> <laughs> and then just like sitting around or yeah like you know Walking around like as if we're marching, and oh, yeah, you know, that sort of thing. Larry and oh, like great stuff as Harry yeah. Potter characters, yeah. See, like, like that, <laughs> <Same thing>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but what was I gonna? Oh, right, I was saying, so you've, you've been interested in history for a long time, but I'm wondering if you could tell our audience a little bit about the area of history that you ended up deciding to focus on and why you figured out that that was what you were most passionate about. That itself is also <laughs> a long story. I mean, none, none of these are simple questions. <laughs> when I was in uh, when I was in college, my main focus in studying history was actually on classical history. So I loved reading Herodotus. I loved reading about Alexander of Mastodon and sort of I became very curious about how these kind of legacies of larger-than-life figures formed and how they changed over time. 
and sort of why people get fixated on singular characters rather than like larger historical processes that are perhaps more responsible for change over time than individuals are. Uh, so that got me thinking about those kinds of figures beyond just the classical context too. And so I got drawn towards the figures of early Latin American history, like Cortez, Pizarro, and why there were, you know, and continue to be like these cults of personality around these figures. And so that ended up being my um, undergraduate honors thesis was like a comparative project that looked at how heroic narrative uh, sort of got adapted from the classical period into the early modern by these writers that were talking about, you know, the Spaniards invading the Americas and so forth. That ha ended up having like nothing to do with what I did <laughs> <laughs> in my PhD program, but it got me thinking towards Latin American history, mm -hmm. uh, which is where I ended up focusing. But ended up doing something more closely connected to my own personal and family background, which combines both Latin America with Asia. And so I ended up writing about the early, earliest histories of Asians in the Americas uh, via Spanish galleons connecting the Philippines to Mexico, beginning in 1565 and going to 1815. <laughs> and I can rattle off a whole lot of other stuff that would probably not be the most exciting subject of conversation. But <laughs> I find the project absolutely fascinating because... When we think about Asians in the Americas, oftentimes it's just like a more modern retelling of that story that begins with like, you know, the railroad narratives and going out west and striking gold and all of this. And But in fact, that history goes back to the 16th century and it's tremendously diverse. And we see all these in early modern societies in the Americas well before the founding of the 13 colonies. And so it's a, it's a project that's close to home. And one that I think is becoming more relevant now as anti-Asian hate bubbles to the surface. Mm -hmm. It's always been there, of course, but now it's on everyone's lips because of COVID and, you know, geopolitical conflict with China. But I think that looking at the early history makes a very strong claim for the sense of hemispheric belonging that, you know, Asians have been here and have been vibrant participants in uh, uh, social formations and um, intellectual production and just the formation of culture in the hemisphere since the very beginning, almost since as early as Europeans were in the Americas too and interacting with indigenous people and Africans and Afro-descendants as well and forming the kinds of societies that we rarely hear about but uh, that are so relevant and pertinent mm -hmm. to what people are starting to think about now. So. Yeah, and also Diego's dissertation is becoming a book <laughs> that um, we'll publicize more on the podcast in the future. Not sponsored, but could be sponsored. Harvard, what's up? So Harvard University Press is going to be publishing uh, Diego's book entitled... The First Asians in the Americas, A Trans-Pacific History. Thank you. I didn't want to mess up the wording because <laughs> it's uh, precise. But they'll be publishing it sometime in the next year or two i don't want to give a precise timeline well if everything goes well it'll be fall 2023 <laughs> okay <thanks>. and <laughs> if it needs more time it could be spring 2024 okay 
Awesome. Yeah. So it'll be coming out in that timeline and you'll get to learn more about all of these histories that Diego's talking about. He's been working really, really hard on it. Um, and as you can tell, my husband is far more well-spoken than I am and <laughs> has used more complicated words than we have used in the entire first 14 episodes of this podcast <laughs> in the last 15 minutes. Um, but I think it's like what I've, a couple of things that I've really gotten from a lot of his research that he's in the way that he's expressed it to me in its relevance. One, seeing, uh, America or the Americas as more than just the United States, which seems super, what? I was going to say, like, that is personally a pet peeve of mine. Yeah. <laughs> well, not only just mine, but I think a lot of other people, too, that live in the Americas can understand America to be much more than just a country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we're also recording this on July 4th, so I feel like it's a particularly relevant message yeah. that I would like to get across. <laughs> Um, because, you know, this is a time where everyone's like, ooh, America. Um, and so we should broaden out our understanding. (laughs) (laughs) No, we have to broaden out our understanding of what the Americas is. I mean, yeah, the word itself, America is fine, but it's just so imprecise, you know, and to like (laughs) assume that it can only refer to one of the many countries that are in the Americas is quite pretentious. Right. Yes. Um, (laughs) and then the second thing I wanted to say was oh just to emphasize like what Diego said about um how a lot of his work is showing that Asians have been here for a very long time and kind of that's fighting the narrative of like the perpetual foreigner or even just like how in the day-to-day we see all these like xenophobic comments about you know going back home go sorry I just knocked my mic oh, like sending us back home and like we're we don't belong in this land but um, if we broaden out our understanding of the land and we understand like this long, long history of peoples migrating from all over, um, we can fight that kind of stereotype. And mm-hmm. I, I think that makes it really relevant for, for me. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the project is really a Latin America based project, but what Latin America was at the time, of course, includes much of what's in present day the present day United States. Mm-hmm. So the research also looks at the Western coast and, you know, if earliest documentation of Filipinos in what's now California goes back to 1587. So, I mean, that's decades before the founding of Jamestown. And I think that even just knowing that information is at least for me, a tremendous source of empowerment mm-hmm. that, you know, this land that has, and in, in sort of the imaginary of the nation is so deeply white supremacist is in fact, and has been for a very long time, much more diverse than that and much more hemispheric as well. So anyway, more to come on that. <laughs> I, I don't want this to like take over the whole subject of and now today's podcast. About Diego's book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. I wish I could take a class with uh, Diego if I was still in college. Come up to Tufts. If you come up to Tufts, I'm sure he'll let you audit a class. He won't let me audit, but he'll maybe he'll let you watch. Yeah, yeah Hannah can definitely come. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's like, you know. I know. He, I make him nervous. You can wear a disguise. Hanukkah... Oh, okay. Oh, true. Good. Yeah, you can put like a mustache on and <laughs> I won't recognize it. I'm going to sit in the back of your classroom wearing a mustache. And, and like, a, like you one won't of those... be distracted. <laughs> oh, it's like boiler. 
hats or something like that. You know, they look like Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, it's a great Perfect. disguise. Okay. So Hannah and Charlie Chaplin will be in the back of <laughs> Diego's class. <laughs> well, anyway, that was a really great answer, I think, to the question of how do you discover what exactly you were passionate about. I should also mention, though, really quickly, that my dissertation advisor played a big okay, role in it. going to shout out. E Evelyn Hudehart, <laughs> <laughs> who introduced me to some really fascinating old books in the John Carter Brown Library. Another shout out. That was like... The main one of the main reasons why I wanted to go to Brown University is because it's such an important archive from the early Americas right there with all the original texts, things that I had only heard about or read about in other sources. I was able to look at, you know, publications from the 1500s, from the 1600s yeah. and hold them in my hands and be able to read them. And so Evelyn introduced me to some of the the early Spanish commentary about China, for example, or some of the early sources about the Philippines. And that really opened my eyes to a lot of what was out there. Yeah, Evelyn's awesome. <laughs> and also, I just want to note that in a previous episode, I definitely shouted out um, like a public library near me and my husband just shouted out a library. <laughs> and so I'm just going to say like, that it's seems like some be. stellar compatibility. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we both like books. Yeah. <laughs> and we own a lot of books. Yeah. <laughs> and our house, future house, is just going to be like all books. <laughs> and that's great. Yeah, it's fun. It's really heavy when we're moving, though. Yeah. That's the only thing. <clears throat> so what you mentioned uh, while you were talking about your mm, decision to focus on this particular area of history the how it ties to your personal background and your personal uh, life and your family background I suppose and so I'm just curious if you could share more about what that means to you and how it shows up in your life or even just or in your work and if it doesn't show up explicitly just like how you feel about doing something so personal yeah it's like a window into that past so I guess just as background I'm mostly talking about my dad's side of the family uh, right now. My dad is Chinese Afro-Cuban, grew up in New York City. My mom is from Vermont, um, of sort of mixed um, England, German, French, and Ashkenazi descent. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a big mix, all mixed up. But so for my dad's side, which is really the side that I grew up more with, uh, is, you know, I guess just hearing about the early family history and stories about my Chinese grandfather going to Cuba and meeting his uh, wife, who was my grandmother, who's Afro-Cuban, and just thinking about, like, what makes that kind of story possible and what puts such distant places in contact and why Latin America, you know, like why Cuba at that time? And of course, there's like a tremendously important history of uh, Chinese indenture in Cuba in the 19th century, which brought 120,000 and more Chinese people to the island for the first time. And there are histories like that that go back further. So it's just been kind of thinking about the the 16th century and 17th century as a kind of diasporic ancestry for people of mixed descent in these ways um, in the hemisphere. So it's been sort of 
thinking about it as a kind of broader form of family history, I suppose, even though obviously there's like no relation with the people who are there, um, people in Mexico, for example, earlier than, um, you know, my family history in Cuba. But it's just been a way of thinking about like the very human questions that long distance travel engenders. Like, you know, what did, um, you know, people separated from their homelands by thousands of miles find, think of their new surroundings? You know, how did they integrate with populations that were already there? Um, how did they express their spirituality? How did they make a living? Um, some were enslaved. So wh what was that experience like? Um, how did they sort of pursue freedom in a deeply restrictive and race conscious society? So just thinking about like questions that, that for me come from a sense of like historical empathy for the subjects that I'm writing about. Uh, yeah. And I, it's interesting because as you list all those questions, like they're all so, still so relevant for people migrating mm -hmm. all around the world to different places, including the United States, um, but other places as well. And it's just like a little jarring because like I work, uh, I've, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I work in immigrant justice, like current, <laughs> like not historical, current policy, like with the U.S. government. Um and not i don't work with the u.s government sorry like government policy in the u.s around immigration and like a lot of those same questions come up when we're talking about how to tell our client stories or how to tell a community member story about their um, journey here and so that's just like another way that it, the history becomes still very very relevant i don't know i feel like diego should have his own podcast right his history lessons. <laughs> History I keep wanting Diego to popularize his history knowledge, and he doesn't. Like yeah, it. that's not true. <laughs> well, I mean, he's a teacher; he's a professor, so he is. Right, but like you know, get on TikTok and like do some. Oh, videos. TikTok! Yeah, no, no. I'm oh not, God, I'm not allowed to do that. <laughs> Definitely not. Something but like YouTube would. videos. Can I do some YouTube videos? Um, sure. That would be okay. so cool. Talk about it later. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, that could be interesting. Uh, but no, I mean, I've been trying more recently to, I, I mean, here's the thing. If you, <laughs> if you enter a PhD program and you go through all this training to enter academia, the expectation of how you write, how you express yourself, the kind of research that you do is geared towards speaking to a highly specialized audience. And so oftentimes we're not given the training or support to broaden out and to reach more people with our work because of the way we're trained to like write and talk. It sort of conforms to a number of expectations that very few people in reality actually care about. <laughs> so part of my journey after graduating has been in that direction. So I've been writing more in um, venues that publish more broadly than simply, um, you know, what people only interested in peer-reviewed publications are going to read, although I do believe strongly in peer review, <laughs> <laughs> but it's important to do both. Uh, so that's what I've been starting to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, um, I might have over um, exaggerated. Diego does a lot of work to, like, spread 
That's not, like spread his message, no, like spread the facts and like teach people and all this stuff and make it understandable, which I really appreciate. But I was just saying like, he also has a thing where he doesn't want to, you know, oversimplify <laughs> things so they can be easily digested on like social media or like things like that. Yeah. Um, and so, but maybe we can have you on the podcast for some history lessons. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy to do that. Awesome. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'll just mention, I'm also writing the book to be accessible right, as yes. well. You know, I don't want it to be like so absurdly dense or so, mm-hmm. you know, theory heavy, although theory is nice, <laughs> but I don't want it to, to make that to make it inaccessible. Right. So, mm-hmm. and I've been working with my editor very closely on this and she and I are like totally aligned on how we want the book to read. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's been like a very intentional rewriting of the dissertation to make it, mm-hmm. um, accessible and like interesting yeah. to people also diego has me when sometimes he has me read things and i'll tell him if it's like totally unreadable to <laughs> hillary in a yes, regular play, plays a, an important role in this as well <laughs> um okay so then my next question is given all of this context and you know you're so passionate about all this stuff but it is also your job and you also do make money mm-hmm. from teaching and research and you get, you know, all this different institutional support from different institutions, depending on, you know, well, how they're, how nice they're going to be. Yeah. I mean, it's like some, I wouldn't like, <laughs> I wouldn't like overemphasize <laughs> that part. No, but it's your job, right? <laughs> like you're going to get a salary from jobs. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Thankfully. Yeah, you'll yes. be paid. Um, and so I'm just curious, like how you see work and, you know, the sense of career and whatever work means to you and passion intersecting um, as concepts and also in your life? Yeah, so that's another big question. And (laughs) I'm not sure if I have a really good answer to this one. Uh, For me, it's just like natural. It's what I know I want to do. And it's what I like to do. So it's what I spend my time doing. And I'm fortunate to be paid for it. And that's something that I think I realized for the first time in grad school because, I mean, a lot of people don't know that if you're in a PhD program at, you know, a top institution, you get paid to go to school, basically. You don't pay tuition, you get health insurance, uh, and you get a stipend, and you get a number of other perks. I mean, the stipend usually is not that much. In many cases, it's, like, barely enough to survive on, if that. It's not yet. When I was starting at Brown, the stipend was $26,000. It's not a whole Mm -hmm. lot, but I mean, it's enough. It was enough. Uh, Now, they've increased it quite a bit, and you can live quite comfortably on the PhD stipend. At Brown? At at, at Brown and other institutions um, like Brown. But then other schools, like, they pay much less still. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but so I was fortunate to be at an institution that paid enough to live on. And, you know, it's like you're being paid to read books and write about them. And what more did you want to do? And I mean, (laughs) I should rephrase that. What more could I want to do? (laughs) But I mean, I imagine a lot of people don't want to do that, but, um, I mean, it was intense. I'll say, you know, you take a number of classes, each class, you got to read more than one book a week. So the pace is intense, but if that's what you like to do, it's like, you know, paradise. Because you're, 
and I mean, this is this is in retrospect. Like it was it was very difficult at the time. I'll say, you know, a lot of people go in with master's degrees. I didn't go in with a master's degree. I was a little bit, and I I felt a little bit outclassed by my class, my my, my cohort uh, mates because I didn't have the experience, and there was a tremendous learning curve to a lot of things. So it was difficult, but. It was also like amazing because <laughs> you're surrounded by people who are like super passionate about stuff and you're having like fascinating conversations every day and you're learning so much and you know it's, it, was, it was just a really really great time you know and you have institutional support to travel and do research and archives all over the world and you know I went to Spain many times I went to Mexico I went to the Philippines um, I went around the U.S., so you know it was it was really mm. ideal for me in a lot of ways. I have a question: Like, would you tell someone not to do a PhD if they were not passionate about it? Yeah, so I think passion is is essential. Like, the PhD is training for a profession, really, or like a kind of direction. It's it's not like like I think a master's degree can still be exploratory in many ways that a PhD would be difficult to be like mm -hmm. go in just because you have uh, because you want to explore the option right mm -hmm. PhD is like a is a more firm path and commitment so I say I would say that passion is essential you know you kind of have to go in with an idea in mind to like get an advisor interested in supporting you throughout the whole process too mm -hmm. so and you have to be really stubborn. I mean, that's the thing that I think all PhD students have in common is they're incredibly stubborn, like not willing to to give up um, because I think it's it would be very easy to give up when things are difficult. And there are a lot of reasons, of course, why people have to drop out of programs. But to stick through it the whole way, you have to just be incredibly mm. stubborn and headstrong. And just like stick it through through all the inevitable bullshit that will come mm. up. And also for people who might not know, like what's the average length of a PhD program or a PhD? Like how long does it take to get a PhD in your field? Like five to seven? Yeah. So like the official numbers is like you know you can finish in as early as five, and you have institutional support more or less until seven. Mm -hmm. When after seven, it becomes very difficult to secure funding, although not impossible. Yeah, so as fast as five and as late as seven or eight, and maybe in a handful of exceptional cases beyond that. Yeah, that's a lot of years. It is. <laughs> it's a, it's a major, yeah, it's a major commitment. Yeah, so that makes sense, the passion mm -hmm. piece. Yeah. Yeah, have to be super passionate. I'm curious, though, like more in theory, I guess, or like what your thoughts are on people in general pursuing something that they're passionate about for their work. Like how necessary is it? How important is it? Um, what is your take? What's your hot take on passion and work generally, not just, you know, getting a PhD? Yeah, it's incredibly difficult to generalize about that. <laughs> Because, yeah, because people, you know, they work jobs for all kinds of reasons. Yeah. Then they don't have to be passionate about the jobs that they work. I think it's wonderful if you are, but there are many reasons why people, like a lot of people just 
want to do a job and totally check out from that job when they're done. Yeah. Uh, and that's perfectly fine. So I don't really want to general <laughs> about <failed>. that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, you know, on a certain level, there is pragmatic decision making comes into play at a certain point, even if you are really passionate about the work that you do. And the example that I'll give is like with academia, something that I didn't fully appreciate when I was starting is how absolutely batshit crazy the job market is in academia and how enormously difficult it is to actually secure a job that everyone thinks they're going to have when they start a PhD program. Mm. I mean, not everyone, but a lot of people like imagine themselves in you know, one of these tenure track jobs when they graduate. And the reality is that a slim minority are going to have a tenure track job when they graduate. Mm. Uh, and even I'm trying to remember the statistic, but the American Historical Association published a statistic a little while ago, like four to six years after graduating, a third of total yeah. graduates end up in a tenure track um, position, yeah. which is, I mean, it, what it means is like, it's, it's not impossible to do, like it is possible, but extremely difficult and you need to get lucky and it depends on what field you're in. So like Latin American history, there are still some jobs, but there are other fields for which there are very, very few jobs, mm -hmm. like any European fields, pretty much um, medieval fields, you know, ancient fields, extremely difficult to secure a job. So I think it's, you know, the pragmatic stuff has to go hand in hand with the passion, because if there are big hurdles to overcome in order to be able to do the job that you envision yourself doing you have to have the passion to carry you through yeah um, i mean that's that's like a baseline you need a lot of other things but you at the very least need to be very passionate about it too especially if the job is not one that's going to pay you a ton of money <laughs> yeah. like you know if it's a job that pays you a lot of money and you like are not that passionate about it but you want to do it because you may it makes you a lot of money like that's fine too you know and if you are passionate about that job that makes you a lot of money, then more power to well, you. Like but, yeah. yeah. I wish that was the case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess along, along the lines of advice and, you know, things like that, I want to ask one more question um, kind of more broadly. So thinking about either someone who's going into college, like take, oh, we'll go back to 2010 when we started college, the person oh that we were back then. Or for someone who's like Hana's age, fresh out of college, but looking for their next steps or their next direction, what advice do you have for someone in either of those positions um, who's trying to figure out what they want to do? Yeah, that's a great question. My biggest piece of advice would be if you're going to college and like, you know, you have some potential professional slash career interests. Don't think that you have to get a certain kind of major to get a certain kind of job afterwards. I think that drives a lot of people away from the humanities, especially for no mm -hmm. good reason, because the, the truth is like this, the overwhelming majority of potential jobs or career directions or grad schools that you could go to after college don't care what your major was in college. 
And this was like one of the questions that I thought was the most obnoxious and still think it's the most obnoxious. It's like, what are you going to do with that major? You know, like, well, literally anything that <laughs> anyone else could do with their major. Like, the major is not a barrier or like an entry point to the vast majority of things you could do afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just like a sorry ex- excuse to, to like, try to drive people towards professional degrees and away from the humanities or like the liberal arts more generally and acquiring skills like critical thinking and uh, exploring things that people are passionate about, you know, like literature or film or, you know, I mean, or, or dance and theater and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I think a lot of people put undue pressure on themselves to like suppress their passion in order to do make the career decision <laughs> at an age which is far too early to be doing that and um you know one of my so i i, I did a double major in undergrad i did history and i did creative writing and there was the creative writing bit that you know that was really the reason why i was so excited to go to emory um to begin with and when I was there, Emory is a school that is so professionally oriented. You know, every, everyone's going mm-hmm. to the business school. Everyone's going into pre-med. Folks are going into pre-law. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people are going towards professional tracks. And that's, you know, awesome. But at the same time, it creates this environment where, like, if you're not doing that, it's like, you know, well, what are you doing with your time? Like, yeah. what kind of job are you hoping to get after graduating? Right. You know, you really think you can compete with all these people that are getting these professional tracks and like preparing themselves in X, Y, and Z ways. And yeah, like, you know, I think like like that expectation is just so misguided. It's not aligned with the reality of what recruiters are looking for and what graduate schools are looking for. But, you know, if that professional degree lines up with your aspiration and that's what you love doing, that's amazing. Go for it. But I think that there are many people who who end up uh, not choosing the thing that they're that they love doing for a quote unquote professional reason. And I just say, like, you know, don't feel that pressure, (laughs) 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 which like sounds really cheap to say, but like it's, you know, tons of people. Uh, um, make the decision too to to pursue what they're mm-hmm. passionate about, and it's it works out for them. Sure. And I would just encourage encourage those people to who are having to make that decision to mm-hmm. choose passion. Oh, yeah, I love that. That the same advice you have for someone in Hannah's position now. Well, you know, it does change after, <laughs> after you finish college, you know, I mean, it depends. It depends. Like, depends on like how long you can spend figuring things out. Some right. people are able to spend longer than others. Right. Um, so if you can take the time and explore and like travel and like, I don't know, do some internships or like do a job that is exploratory or like go to grad school and get a master's degree. You know, all of that is, I think, amazing stuff. I, I don't believe we need to have our lives figured out at like a set, set age or anything like that. Um, it just gets more difficult to do, I think, the older mm-hmm. you get. But 
you know, at some point you do have to start thinking pragmatically, but the longer you can spend like exploring and like really being sure of your direction is, you know, that's always advantageous rather than going into the thing that you think you need to be doing and then realizing like five years later that you absolutely hate what you do and you can't imagine spending another day doing that, even though it pays well or whatever, then, and then like trying to do a career switch, then it just becomes more difficult. So if you spend time on the front end, figuring it out, I think you'll be better off. But again, it's difficult to generalize. You know? <laughs> it I, is. Yeah. <laughs> Disclaimer. Yes. Yeah. Like I don't, Agreed. I don't want to, it to seem like there's, you know, a set way to do mm -hmm. things like, you just got to figure it out for yourself. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, with the second part of, wait, first, thanks so much, Diego, <laughs> for talking to us about work and passion and sharing your story. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and now we're going to make you play one of our games because that's what we always <laughs> do with our guests and with each other. We just love games. Um, and what better game to play with my husband? Um, relatively new husband than a newlywed game. And Hannah's going to lead us through Yes. It. Yeah. Thank you, Diego, for talking <laughs> about um, like indulging in all this stuff because it was all really interesting. Okay. So for, for, the, <laughs> so for this part of the podcast, I originally planned this game for Mexico, but we didn't have time to play it. And so I don't know if Hillary, you to look at it or not, but um i planned some questions and it was supposed to be a drinking game but i think instead we should have like some kind of stakes still <laughs> for who like gets what? more right so yeah i'm not trying to drink right now it's what should we do <laughs> i mean what kind of stakes so do we have it. guys um what kind of stakes or just like if you get pride. it wrong <laughs> If you get it wrong, pride is an important stake. It is. Diego has a that's a good stake for Diego. I don't have any pride, so I... <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> not with this kind of stuff. Uh, okay, if you get a question wrong, um, you gotta kiss the other person on the cheek. No, that's lame. Lame. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay I'm lame. Uh... I'm like, you have to like clean something. No. <laughs> You gotta like pick something up. What? Like do some kind of manual yeah, yeah, labor. yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Yes, manual labor. This is what marriage is all about. <laughs> exactly. Okay, yes. how about this? How about this? We'll keep a tally of who gets how many right. You know, like, and then whoever wins or whoever loses has to. We're already cleaning and packing everything though, so it's not like. So like <laughs> a lot of dirty stuff. <laughs> We'll figure out. Okay, you have to do the dishes. Nice. What? Oh, okay, fine. Yeah. I'll, but oh, okay. Yeah. What? Whatever. It's easy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like the kisses on the cheek, but that's fine. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so some of the questions they're like geared towards Diego, and then some are geared towards Hillary. So you'll see like what it means to get it wrong. Like, okay. Anyways, and this is hard to explain. So the wait, first. Wait, but when... Wait, when we do the questions, you're going to ask the question and we write it down. We write down our, we both write down our answer, right? Yeah, you both write down your and answers we, and they need to match. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Yeah. And if they don't match, then like one of us will lose depending yes. on the question. Yes. yes. Game. Okay. We'll just, let's just try it. 
Okay, it's, it's okay. better in person, but it's fine. All right, all right, all right. Okay, so the first question is easy. Okay, this is, it should be easy. How did a lot you, of pressure now. <laughs> how did you two first meet? Okay. Well, I hope I get like this one right. They need to match, so just think about what the other person would write to when you're. But it doesn't have to match like word for word. Well, no, obviously not word for word. Okay. Conceptually. Conceptually. Yeah. Generalize here. We're gonna generalize. Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. You ready? Yeah. Okay. How did you first meet, Hillary? You go first. I wrote Crossroads slash Emory. X Roads. Okay. Yeah. Diego nice. wrote X Roads. <laughs> and we went at Crossroads. And for people who don't go to Emory, who didn't go to Emory, Crossroads was a pre-orientation, like diversity and inclusion retreat that really was just like to help people meet. Uh, other first years that were coming in and learn a bit about social justice um, and stuff like that. So no longer exists. So unfortunately. Oh, it, yeah. I don't think it exists in its form that it did back then. Okay. Good job. Woo! All right. All right. Second, <laughs> second question. <laughs> Hillary. Oh, well, Diego will also <laughs> write his answer of what he thinks Hillary is going to write. So the second question is, Hillary, what was your first impression of Diego? Okay, so I write my actual first impression, and Diego writes what he thinks my first impression of him was. Yes. Oh, God, my first impression of Diego. Okay, you ready? Yeah, you go first. <laughs> Remember, it's my first impression. Yeah, I know, I know. Okay. Okay. So I, wrote, I wrote smart and creative writing guy, because he told me he was going to be a creative writing major, and I was like, that's super interesting. A lot of guys, not that many guys do that. Yeah. What did you write? I wrote cute <laughs> and douchey. Oh, no, I didn't think you were douchey at first. Oh, that came later. That was later. Oh. I thought you were smart and, and cute. Cute is fine, but the douchey part is wrong. Okay. So, uh, Diego gets uh, minus half a point. But I feel like minus that's confusing. But yeah, I get half a point now. Because Hillary, you told me that too, what Diego said. So, like. Douchey? I mean, it's creative first, writing. Not... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, yeah. <laughs> like how early was it that you found out i like creative writing like really early you remember we went to like a career major fair or something and you were sitting at the creative writing table yeah. because i don't know why you were doing there that there was no one sitting at the table and i just sat oh yeah down. there was no one sitting at the table from the school and so diego decided he would sit there and tell people about the major that he was about to start Wait, I what? actually like, done so much yeah, yeah yeah I did so much research about the creative writing major I could actually answer people's See? questions oh my about God, that it. Is amazing. I thought he was like a smart unique kind of guy but I think that also says a lot about like creative writing generally that there was no, no one, one there. Like, <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, like how many years have you been with the department he's like I started today <laughs> Actually. But I've done a lot of research. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So, okay, you're keeping track. All right. Question three for Diego. What was your first impression of Hillary? God. <laughs> okay, I have my answer. I think you should know. Like, and... <laughs> yeah, I put loud slash excited and bang. And bangs? Yeah, yeah that sounds about right. Bangs. <laughs> I wrote overly excited slash friendly. Also cute? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> like, not sure if she's cute, but, you know, could be. 
Yeah, we got the like excited yeah, we did. part. I think that I didn't get bangs, but <laughs> yeah, I had these horrible bangs going into freshman year. I don't know why I thought that was a good idea after senior year of college, of high school to cut blunt bangs and a bob. Yeah, I'm just gonna. You can imagine that. <laughs> it was pretty funny. I think that counts. Is it? Okay. All right. All right. Cool. Okay. All Next right. question. Good job. So <laughs> fourth question number four. This is for Hillary. What is the first thing Diego does when he wakes up? Usually, like typically, first thing you do when you wake up. Like <laughs> Give nowadays, <me> hints. <laughs> or because like it changes over time. Now nowadays, right? Now, oh yeah, so nowadays. Not like when you were eight. What was the first? What was the first thing Diego <laughs> no. did when he woke up as a baby? <laughs> Okay, I'll be very surprised. But Diego's writing a lot for some reason. Okay, okay, I got it. Okay. Okay, you go first because you're answering. No, no, you go first because you're guessing. No, whatever. Okay, fine. I wrote check phone. Okay, yeah, close. What did you put? Did you say like I check put, news or something? Put on my glasses. That's, that's, <laughs> a, that's the first thing. That is I put, the first I put on my glasses. <laughs> See, this is something about grad school too. Is I never needed glasses. It's more more than I need them now. Wow. And. I'm convinced because it was all the hours spent reading stuff on a computer screen. And yeah, and I've talked to a lot of people about this. Like your eyesight goes to shit when you go to grad school, <laughs> uh, along with a number of other health related things. But, oh my God. Okay. Anyway, just a word of warning. That's why, you know, passion. Yeah, <laughs> you have to be passionate. When your body starts to fail you. When you're blind and having heart palpitations, passion will Oh, God. <laughs> So, yeah, so put on my glasses okay. and then uh, check the Ukraine war. Okay, yeah, I was okay. going to say the Ukraine war, but that's really specific, so I just said phone. But I didn't get the glasses part. Do I get half a point off? I mean, technically, it's not yeah. the, yeah, that's the first thing he does, right? You get a half a point off. Okay. Oh, man, that's like a trick answer. It's not a trick answer. Put on your glasses. Well, I mean, that that's is a the trick first answer. That's what he does. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you guys are tied then. Tied. Okay. Yeah, we're tied. All right, again for Hillary. Again for Hillary. So, <laughs> yes. What is Diego's favorite drink? And you can, you know, don't ask, drink? don't ask questions. Okay, I just want to see what you guys write down. <laughs> Specify alcoholic or non-alcoholic. You? How about both? You can write both if you want to. What did you say? I heard that. I heard you whispering. No, I know I'm whispering to myself because Diego has a lot. Of oh, I thought drinks. you said. I thought you said Diego. What's your favorite drink? <laughs> <laughs> Diego, tell me the answer. No, there's no way I'm gonna help her with this one. Diego's <laughs> yeah, too competitive. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I have to think of my favorite. Uh, <laughs> I, I do have a lot of favorite drinks. Yeah, you have a lot. So if I get if I if I name like one. Of the things that okay, it's better names, than just them. yeah. It's better to encompass as many as you think. Okay, I'm. <laughs> okay, okay, I think I'm ready. I think <laughs> a lot of I'm ready to. This is about you. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's tough because I do have a lot of favorite. Because I had trouble picking. <laughs> okay, okay. I wrote fruit juice. Okay. Broadly, because he likes all of them. Um, chocolate milk. <laughs> and I was laughing. A child. Like, it sounds like a child, yeah. <laughs> and for alcoholic, I put whiskey. 
Because you always order whiskey. Really? Always. You always order whiskey. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, wow. For beer? Okay, so for non-alcoholic, I put pineapple juice. Okay, good. I got that You one. got a juice. Good enough. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't say chocolate milk. Is I just you like drink it a lot as like a post workout drink. Okay, fine. But fruit juice is there. Okay, for alcoholic Bloody Mary, oh, which you know. Shit. I do know that. And hot sake too. Oh yeah. I love That's hot sake. One of your favorites? Yeah, hot sake and Bloody Mary. Why do you always order whiskey? Oh, just because like, you know, when I have a Bloody Mary, I want to make sure it's a really good one. And so I only get it at like a special place. And if it's just like a regular place, oh, then I'll get whiskey. Oh, so whiskey is like your backup drink. Or like, I don't know. It just depends on how I'm feeling. Like beer or... It's so bad that I like didn't get Bloody too. Mary. I don't feel bad about hot sake. I feel bad about Bloody Mary. Yeah. I feel like if I had thought cocktail, I would have gotten there eventually. But I was yeah. not thinking about that. So I'm going to take half a point off for that. Yes. Because I got fruit juice. Yeah. Okay. Is the next one for about me? Number six. <laughs> yes. The next one is about Hillary. The next two are about... About oh no no just one okay so this one is for Diego. What is Hillary's biggest fear? Yeah, it's hard because I have a lot of fears. Yeah, <laughs> biggest fear. <laughs> you should write down several of your. Biggest. I have many. Okay, I'll write down. I'll write down two of my biggest ones. Well, I have a lot. <laughs> yeah, write down two. Write both of you. Write down two. Ready? I think so. Okay. Go ahead. One is cat gets outside. Oh my god, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. That is your biggest fear, though. Like that is. Speaking to the fears that I didn't even know were my deepest fears. That oh, is, no. though. It yeah, is. I didn't write that down, but yes, it is. And something about Hana having problems. Whoa. <laughs> oh my god. You know, I was going for like the most realistic fears in my life. Oh my god, like, well, is... he's not wrong at all. He's not wrong. These are totally accurate, but they're not what I wrote down. So you lose a point. Are what? you gonna say? Are you gonna yeah, say that you have bigger fears than those two things? Like okay, genuinely? my biggest fears. When I think of my biggest fears, Is it I, like ghost or something. I don't oh, think God. of the practical fears. I think of I wrote ocean slash open oh, yeah. water with That's, no life jacket. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And dolls. So you're <laughs> more scared of dolls and the ocean than if I were to like suffer. I'm of okay. The ocean. And dolls for myself because the other two things are about other people and they're very practical and i appreciate your assessment but i think you should lose half a point because you didn't get my other you didn't get either ones i wrote down okay that's okay, how the okay. game works okay, but diego is okay. more accurate yeah that's so interesting actually how you more accurate that. than what you're writing down. yeah <laughs> diego's more accurate than even me about me i i thought you were gonna write ocean though yeah yeah but then once diego was like yeah, saying stuff i should have gotten like, oh, that oh, one yeah, yeah. Cat gets outside, Hana gets in trouble. It's true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, because you like really do worry about other things, other people. So that's true. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Okay, babe. All right. How many? Wait. How many more questions do we have, Hana? We have. So we have six, but we can go fast, faster. Okay, let's do it. Speed round. Okay, Hillary. When? Okay, I don't know why. I forgot why this is on there. I think our mom wrote it. But okay. Okay, our mom for sure. <laughs> When Diego gets dressed, which foot goes first into his pants? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Do you even know this? Wait, I have to think about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes I put no, I sometimes I put them both on at the same time, which is not true. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> You're like jumping your You're pants. Jumping. <laughs> yeah, not true. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, Hillary. What what foot goes first into Diego's pants? 
Left? Is that what you wrote? Oh, I wrote right. Which which okay, one is which is right. your I answer? Wrote down, I wrote down. I wrote down right. Okay, I wrote left. Damn it! But then when I imagined it after, I was like, it's probably left. Okay. Yeah, I think you're falling behind. Right. I know it's fine. I do the dishes a lot, so <laughs> so does Diego. <laughs> okay. Okay. Eight. Number eight. Question eight is for Diego. That was the hardest one. <laughs> Wait, I have, to, I have to listen to the question. Okay. Question eight for Diego. Okay. Before adopting them, what were Bell and Bader's original names? No way Diego knows this. There's no way. I don't way. think I ever knew this. I cannot remember. They were. No, they I were. Don't have um, no, you should. You should try still. Okay. Um. Like. There were names you didn't like. That's right. Doesn't narrow it down much. Like Leonard and <laughs> 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 like Marie or something. Leonard and Marie. <laughs> so okay, those are gonna be Bell and Bader's middle names. Hilary's le- <laughs> least favorite name, <laughs> Leonard and Marie. Because <laughs> now Bader's name is gonna be Ruth Bader Ginsburg Leonard Lee Louise. That's a great. That's a great name. That's Powerful really name. His official name, or his original name, was Tasty Cakes. Oh, yeah, that's right. And Belle's original name was Deli. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way I was going to get that. Huh, now we're uh, evenly matched. Are you sure it yeah. wasn't Leonard? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my apparently, God. Okay, apparently we hate those names. I didn't so know good. that. <laughs> I really like Big Tasty right. Cakes and Deli, though. Okay, for Diego again. What is Hillary's birthday and her Chinese zodiac? Oh my god, this is so easy. Oh wait, yeah, he knows this. Okay, he knows Chinese it. Oh yeah, I have the same one. Yeah. Okay, what about her American zodiac? Oh, I'm not good at U.S. zodiacs. I like don't even know all the zodiacs. I I like studiously not pay attention. Do you know Hillary's? You don't know mine. I I can do the Chinese. He doesn't one. care about it, which I understand completely. Fine. I learned Diego's zodiac like only not that long ago okay what is my birthday november 2nd 1992 very nice earth monkey earth, mon- yeah. earth monkey yeah it's, it's earth monkey <laughs> 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 okay wait what as opposed to what it's regular monkey that year is earth monkey yeah it's earth monkey is it a specific year thing or i think so yeah. Always- yeah no it's yeah it's a year okay oh, that's or cool. earth monkeys yeah I didn't know that. <laughs> cool. Alright. We're okay. still even. Turning evenly matched. Final stretch. Okay, these ones are easy. Hillary, what was Diego's major in college? <laughs> we literally just Good talked thing. about that. Did you get this wrong? No, I, knew, I know. I knew before we talked about it. I don't even think we need to write it down. It's history and creative writing. Okay, yeah. Well, uh, you have to get the full title. What? No. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually, yeah, one of them is not actually like what I refer to it as a lot of the time. Okay, Hillary, what is the full title? Creative writing. Which, like, what, what is it? Like, you know, write it down, write it down, and I'll write mine down. I'm so confused now. <laughs> I don't think Diego even knows my full major. In no, I don't. Oh my god, ask him that next. No, that's not, that's not the <laughs> question lineup. That's not how this works. He doesn't know my major. You don't know my major? No, 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 I, I know your major. What's my minor then? Your... You don't know my minor. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. I, it's um, yeah, yeah, but that's not the question. So I'll, <laughs> I'll confirm it with you later. 
know, but I wrote history and English with concentration in creative writing, double major. That's really close. Okay, what did I get wrong? Okay, so history is yeah, one major. Okay. Then the second major is technically called English and creative writing. I knew I, that. I, I, don't, I don't get to lose points for that. That's... I didn't understand. Well, like, didn't as, a, as a person <laughs> who went to Emory, I feel like you should have known that. No, I didn't. I wasn't in the English. What? English and creative writing is the name yeah, of the major. It is. I wrote English and I wrote creative writing. So I just linked them incorrectly. This is not a concentration. You want me to lose a half point for that? It's fine. You can have it. <laughs> I didn't even know my minor. <laughs> What is your mind? Wait, I think I know, but I don't, I'm not sure, actually. No one knows my life. Okay, one of them is psych. Yes, that was my major. Mm -hmm. And the minor was, like, global... No, not global. It doesn't have the word global in it. It was, like... Did you get it first, my husband or my sister? Philosophy. It was, like... No. But close. (laughs) Way closer. That's the only thing I I never knew I was going to (laughs) say. It wasn't econ, was it? No, my God, no. <laughs> who am? Who are? Who do you think I am? Psychology. Uh, it was like something like. It was really close to philosoph- philosophy. I can't say <laughs> that. <laughs> hmm. Wow, I feel so unseen. I just graduated. I should know, like. Hannah. Hmm. definitely not sociology but i don't think you did poli sci either so i don't know nope it's fine it's not a very well-known minor what is it ethics ethics that's right i knew it was yeah i'm just kidding (laughs) all right let's go on to question 11 (laughs) okay question 11 11 and 12 you guys can answer as one so the eleven is what do you, Hillary? What do you like most about Diego? And twelve is Diego. What do you like most about Hillary? I want to do some cute oh. ones for the end. So we don't have to. We just tell each other. But they have to match. I have, I have to guess what his favorite thing about me is. <laughs> no, no, no. What I have to guess first what your favorite thing about me is, and then you have to guess what my favorite yes. thing about you is. I think that's good. No. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> just kidding. Okay. I mean, maybe. So we're doing. We're doing. Okay, let's do Diego first. Okay, favorite thing about Diego. This is weird. I'm gonna guess which one, what I like most about him. Maybe you'll find out, you'll realize that there's um, more things that you like about him. Yeah. I don't lose, we don't lose points for this, right? <laughs> sure. No, know, we, we could. We don't have to, but. We, we could lose points why, for why? it. Why? Where's your competitive edge? <laughs> Your kindness and how loving you are and how affectionate you are. Yeah, that's not what I got at all. Okay. <laughs> I got a sense of humor. Oh. Hey. <laughs> this is so funny. <laughs> that's all? Yeah. And level-headedness. Oh, I mean, I love both of those things about you, but it's not what I love most about you. It's how kind you are and loving you are. Yeah, you can do without the level-headedness and the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Diego is funny and level-headed, but no. All right. You don't lose points for that, though. That's mean. Okay, we won't lose points then, because it's mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's mean. Fine. Aww. Okay, now what do you love most about me? <laughs> All right. Um, wait, I, I haven't written this yet. No, me neither. I have to write mine. 
I mean, there's so many things, right? Oh. Gotta, gotta write them all down. Okay, Diego, what do you like most about Hillary? Passion. Passion. <laughs> Determination. And affection slash kindness. Aww. I wrote caring slash thoughtful and passion to help people. So that's pretty much oh it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, exactly yeah. what he wrote. Okay. Yeah. No, I know exactly why Diego loves me. He doesn't know why I love him. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> that's cool. And so, okay, well. Learn something every day. Yeah, we're just like tied at the end? <laughs> I yes. think we're pretty tied. We're tied, except I might have lost a little more because of the English and creative writing mishap. Um, so I'll, nah, I can... it's fine. We'll do the dishes together. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Was that fun? Yeah. Did you have fun? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is it more fun to do it here on the podcast or in front of all of our family? We were supposed to do it in Mexico. Probably, probably would have been funny to do it in front of everyone too yeah that's true and thanks for putting this together so nice yeah thanks hannah that's all we have today Woo! thanks for being on the podcast thank you pleasure (laughs) (laughs) all right well thanks so much to everyone for listening uh for tuning in to hear diego talk about his work his phd his passion all of the stuff um let us know if you have any other topics that you want us to cover any other guests you want us to have um and we'll see you next time yep bye 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 see ya